Hello listeners, it's Julie with Hefzabad Talks A Lot, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to my podcast, and I hope that you are enjoying the new format. I'm trying something different to have a little more continuity and flow in my podcast, so I hope you like it. Now trust me when I say there will still be random podcasts full of all my rambling, rants, segues, and digressions, so never fear. I welcome your comments and thoughts, so please send me an email at htal.podcast at gmail.com as I would love to hear from you, and thank you for listening to my podcast. friends, it's Julie with Hepzibah Talks A Lot, and this is the scripture part of our podcast. And so uh, here we go. We're going to read Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 of the contemporary English version. Um, Soon after this, Jesus was going through towns and villages, telling the good news about God's kingdom. His 12 apostles were with him, and so were some women who had been healed of evil spirits and all sorts of diseases. One of the women was Mary Magdalene who once had seven demons in her. Joanna, Susanna, and many others had also used what they owned to help Jesus and his disciples. Joanna's husband, Chusa, was one of Herod's officials. Okay, And the other scripture we're going to read is Mark 15, verses 40 and 41 of the Contemporary English Version. Some women were looking on from a distance. They and many others had come with Jesus to Jerusalem, but even before this they had been his followers and had helped him while he was in Galilee. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of the younger James and of Joseph were two of those women. Salome was also one of them. If you want to read about the alabaster box and the anointing of perfume, you can read Matthew 26 verses 6 through 13, Mark 14 verses 3 through 9, Luke 7 36 through 50, and John 12 1 through 8. We're just going to open in prayer really quick. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love and your patience. I pray right now that you just anoint this time and that you just speak clearly, that we could hear you and know what you would say. We want your word to breathe life into us, Lord God. And and may I be very clear if I'm speaking from opinion or if I'm speaking from your word so as not to misdirect or lead people astray. I ask that you just be with us in this next time and give us wisdom and guidance as we delve into this new um, study on Mary Magdalene. In your precious name I ask this, Jesus. Amen. Hello friends, it's Julie with Hefzibah Talks A Lot and this segment is going to be slightly different from the Samaritan Woman segment only because I know that I wrote a a blog about hearing Jesus say your name, but for some odd reason, I had trouble finding it. Um, so we won't be reading that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually freestyle. I know, I know I weren't, I told you I wouldn't do that, but that part of this, not because I didn't do research on it, but 
I feel like it's a little too important to, um, to just try to like relegate it to facts and figures and what I can find out and then just throw in my other stuff randomly. Um, so that part I'm saving for the very end. So if you don't want to hear my rambling, you can always just turn the podcast off at that point. Uh, but other than that, I have, of course, done my research. Um, so never fear. So we're talking about Mary Magdalene today. And interestingly enough, we're also going to talk about Mary of Bethany. And you'll see why later. Um, if you paid attention to the scriptures, I read two very small portions of scripture. When I get to the part about the tomb, I will be reading that in this segment because uh, it just, like I said, it can't be relegated to things. It's very powerful for me. Um, and then I gave you references if you want to read about the alabaster box. And I, once again, learned something new. Quite a few things new, in fact, on this one. So, um, yeah. So here we go. So first of all, Mary is one of the most common names for Jewish females. And that's especially in Jesus's day. There were a lot of Marys involved in Jesus's life. So Mary Magdalene was Jewish, and it's believed that she came from the town of Magdala, which was a fishing town, and it's located on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, or it was. Um, so it's believed that she was very beautiful and very wealthy. However, in spite of this, she was possessed by demons, and so she lived her life under the dark cloud of emotional and psychological ailments. And this is back in a time when, you know, those were really negative things, um, very looked down on. Um, it is not clear what these demons did in her life. However, it's apparent that they were evident enough to make it known that they were there. So Jesus looked beyond the demons and what they inflicted to see the person within, the person Mary really was. This is what he does for us. His intervention in her life led to her lifelong love and devotion to him. So while many suppose, and I used to, that she was a prostitute, probably due to comments of the disciples about the manner of woman she was during the anointing of Christ, which, by the way, was not her, but that's where she's usually tied to, there is no Bible reference suggesting that she was involved in prostitution or any form of immoral past. I think that this is one of the things that we as Christians need to be aware of, the urban legends of the church. It behooves us to look into things for ourselves. It could be that the early church leaders wanted to make Mary Magdalene less of a person, and so she became a prostitute from then on. As Robert Cargill, he's the assistant professor of classics and religious studies at the University of Iowa and the editor of Biblical Archaeology Review, said, By turning Mary Magdalene into a prostitute, then she is not as important. It diminishes her in some way. She couldn't have been a leader because look at what she did for a living. Of course, the other response was to actually elevate Mary. Some argued that she was actually Jesus' wife or companion. She had a special status. All right, so needless to say, both of these are incorrect and shows that our human nature, adding or taking away based on what we are most comfortable with. In fact, Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code builds on this second theory to the point that Jesus and Mary had children together. This fictional book is a bestseller and a movie along with sequels. According to History.com, the prostitution lie was solidified in the sermon of Pope Gregory the Great, 
in the 6th century. And in 1969, the Catholic Church admitted that there was no basis for this in the Bible. And then Mary Magdalene was actually sainted. She was made into a saint. Now, women were not in powerful places in that day. They didn't hold special roles or places in the norms of society. So you may recall my mentioning this in the Samaritan Woman podcast. It is remarkable to consider that these women followed Jesus along and supported him and the disciples, as the scripture from earlier reads, by their own means. This is partly why it is surmised that Mary Magdalene was wealthy. So in the telling of the woman with the alabaster box, it isn't clarified which Mary it was. Many believe that it was Mary Magdalene, but others believe it was Mary of Bethany. So in the book of John chapter 12, it is specified that Martha was serving where you where you could always find Martha because she was just the server. That's what she did. And Mary came in with the alabaster box of perfume. That would make it Mary of Bethany. In Luke, because that account is given and then the next account mentions Mary Magdalene, the hypothesis is that Mary is the one with the alabaster, especially since Mary Magdalene was said to be wealthy. All right, so looking at um, this, these accounts, it is more feasible to believe that Mary broke the alabaster box, of, and it was the Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, not Mary Magdalene. It is further believed that there were actually two separate incidents with the perfume anointing. One with an unidentified sin sinful woman, which is the one we see in Luke, and one with the Mary of Bethany, which is the one we see in Matthew, Mark, and John. The accounts of Matthew, Mark, and John are about Mary of Bethany and happened before Jesus' death and resurrection. I believe it's six days before Passover. And the account in Luke is believed to have happened a year before the crucifixion and was just a pure outpouring of gratitude, worship, and love. Not to say that Mary of Bethany's wasn't. However, it is more looked upon that Mary of Bethany had a deeper understanding because she sat at Jesus' feet and listened as to what was coming. And not necessarily like a deep detail of it, but that he was going to die and he was going to be crucified. So she was, her pouring out of the perfume is believed to be an actual, um, preparation for his burial like she understood deep in her soul something was going to happen and this was her way of of honoring him whereas the other one was just an outpouring of sheer gratitude and love based on something jesus had done in that woman's life that remains nameless um so okay so i said that um the woman from luke remains nameless much as a samaritan woman at the well and her sin remains unnamed as well we have no idea we just know that they say if he knew the manner of woman touching him so you may be wondering at this point why i left this part in the telling of mary magdalene well firstly i did it because i had mentioned that she was the one with the alabaster box and i needed to clarify that secondly i did so because this is such a powerful display of adoration i can't ignore it mary of bethany did a few things that were noteworthy such as sitting at the Lord's feet and hanging on his every word. However, this reckless love displayed in the breaking of the alabaster box and the anointing of Christ with the precious perfume is on par with the love Jesus pours out for us. Reckless, fragrant, and amazing. So this act of love, the pouring out of the perfume, anointed Jesus for his burial. And during the brutal death he faced, many of the followers fled. However, others remained, and Mary Magdalene was one of the women that saw where Jesus was buried. Jesus 
an innocent, compassionate, and loving man faced a criminal's death on the cross for us. I once had a pastor say that every time he drew breath, he breathed in the perfume that Mary had poured on him and rubbed into his skin. So our worship of Jesus Christ is very valuable to him. There's a song by Petra that I love, and it says, Let our voices rise like incense. Let it be a sweet perfume. So our love freely given is the greatest gift that we can give to him. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, Salome, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee are some of the ones listed at the cross during the crucifixion. Mary Magdalene, along with the others, saw where Jesus was buried, and then she followed that path in the darkness on the third day to find the tomb empty. So Mary is the first one to tell the resurrection truth of Jesus Christ. She is the first one to share the good news. Mary held a special place in the gospel and in Jesus' life and heart. And while we don't know what happened to Mary Magdalene after Jesus' ascension, we do know that this kind of love and devotion doesn't die or fade. So Eastern tradition believes that she followed John to Ephesus, and it is believed that she died there and was buried. And French tradition believes that she was in Provence and evangelized there, and then spent the last 30 years of her life in an alpine cavern. So essentially, as I said, no one knows what happened because we were not told what happened. Um, so that is roughly the research I did on Mary Magdalene. And what I learned is, first of all, she was not a prostitute, had never even been hinted at being a prostitute, and that was all just from one man's sermon, which shows us that we should just be careful what we say, right? I'm, I try to be very careful. If I find out that I'm wrong, I'll admit, oh, I was wrong. Like I just did. She was not a prostitute. I was wrong. Um, she's not the one that did the alabaster box. And I believe that for most of my life or all my life, I was wrong. Um, I always believed it was just one event. It's, it's actually two separate times that he's anointed with perfume by a woman. Um, yeah, I was wrong. So, I think it's very important that we take the time, especially with God's word, to look deeper and not just take things at face value. Um, so while I could very well have gone longer, I knew that this part would take a little bit of time. And I'm trying to keep these podcasts short and sweet because I know that long podcasts can kind of not be as inviting. So we're going to look now at John 20. And we looked a little bit at this in my intro. And we're going to look at John 20 and 21, okay? Um, I believe. We might. Let's just go from here. So on Sunday morning, this is verse 1, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So she ran to Simon Peter and to Jesus' favorite disciple and said, They have taken the Lord from the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. And Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. They ran side by side until the other disciple ran faster than Peter and got there first. He bent over and saw the strips of linen cloth lying inside the tomb, but he did not go in. When Simon Peter got there, he went into the tomb and saw the strips of cloth. He also saw the piece of cloth that had been used to cover Jesus' face. It was rolled up and in a place by itself. The disciple who got there first then went into the tomb, and when he saw it, he believed. At that time, Peter and the other disciple did not know that the scriptures said Jesus would rise to life. So the two of them went back to the other disciples. Mary Magdalene stood crying outside the tomb. She was still weeping when she stooped down and saw two angels inside. They were dressed in white and were sitting where Jesus' body had been. 
One was at the head and the other was at the foot. The angels asked Mary, Why are you crying? She answered, They have taken away my Lord's body. I don't know where they have put him. As soon as Mary said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know who he was. Jesus asked her, Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener and said, Sir, if you have taken his body away, please tell me so I can go and get him. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabbani, the Aramaic word Rabbani means teacher. And Jesus told her, Don't hold on to me. I have not yet gone to my father. But tell the disciples I am going to the one who is my father and my God, as well as your father and your God. Mary Magdalene then went and told the disciples she had seen the Lord. She also told them what he had said to her. So there's so much there in that scripture. Um, like, first of all, the disciples had gone there first. And I talked about that. Uh, had had gone. Um, not gone there first, but. She saw the stone was missing or rolled away, and she went to get the disciples. They got to the tomb first, looked in, didn't see Jesus. Um, Peter actually physically went in, noted the cloth being folded and, and such. Um, and then he's like, you know, I'm sure they were saying things to each other. And then John went in um, and saw it, and then jo it says John believed. And the reason I'm, I'm thinking that, it specifies that that he saw it and believed not that he saw it and they believed is because he couldn't speak for Peter right um, so he's just like well I believed at that point like that's when I knew <laughs> right so um, it wasn't saying that Peter didn't believe at that point um, so they go back to the disciples which I just find strange but I think what the point is for that is that they knew well he's gone he's no longer there so they go back to the disciples. Um, but Mary stands there crying. And she's she can't understand why they would take the body away. Now there's a lot around this. Because when you do research, you learn that Roman soldiers had very, very strict rules. Well, just like pretty much any military. But essentially what it was, um, was that... Uh, they had put Roman soldiers there to guard the tomb. Then when they, they were saying that, uh, to say that the followers, so that they could like pr propagate the lie that Jesus didn't raise, rise from the dead, um, that the disciples had come and taken the body. Uh, it was under the guise that these Roman soldiers fell asleep. Um, which if that had been the case would have, um, they would have been killed. They would have been put, put to death. And then Jesus was actually quickly buried because it was entering Passover and they had to like hurry up, you know, so, um, get them, get him in the tomb. So, um, while the leadership of that day tried to hide the fact that Jesus was resurrected, their lie is glaringly obvious and I can almost guarantee that those Roman soldiers if they did not flee from that area I can almost guarantee that they were killed because um, government cover-ups are not a new thing 
trust me. Um, they would not have left them alive. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess if they had tried to kill him outright, they would have cried out and said, no, they didn't take the body, you know. But anyway, I don't know why they tried to dance around it, but I think they just wanted someone to propagate the lie and then these Roman soldiers would disappear, you know. Anyway, so um, while she was crying outside the tomb, she actually looked in to the tomb, which she didn't do before. And Jesus sent two angels to sit in there. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, so Mary's, Mary's outside the tomb. Go sit and talk to Mary. But why they didn't talk to the disciples? I believe that Mary has, that there was something that God saw in Mary that we don't understand and can't fathom. That he would take this much time and pay this much attention to detail is beyond our understanding. So the angels are like, why are you crying? Because <laughs> they know, you know, Jesus is alive. They have taken away my Lord's body. I don't know where they put him. Sorry about that. Um, and then uh, they don't tell her anything. The angels are just like, okay. Um, I wonder if in a different translation they tell her something. I mean, not different translation, different telling of this, they tell her something. Um, because I, I vaguely recall them saying, why are you looking here? He's risen. Don't look for him here. Um, I'm reading the the John because I really like the book of John, but um, that behooves looking into, so I'll do that in a second. Um, now let me just do it now. All right, so yeah. So in, in the other uh, Gospels, it talks about how the angel tells them, you know, why are you looking for Jesus? He's not here. Um, and then... Uh, the Gospel of Matthew tells about how um, it actually talks about the there was a strong earthquake and the Lord's angel came down from heaven and he rolled the stone away and sat on it. And the angel looked as bright as lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. And the guards shook from fear and fell down as though they were dead. Which tells me that when Mary came that um, there the guards were lying there unconscious is my thought. Um he isn't here. God has raised him to life. Um, and then uh, it says that when the women were on their way to tell the disciples, because Mary, in John, it says Mary went, but it was Mary and some women. And I think the reason that John only talks about Mary Magdalene is because she went, got the disciples and came back with them, whereas uh, the other ones may not have. Um so anyway, so some soldiers who had been guarding the tomb went into the city and they told the chief priests everything that had happened. And the chief priests mess with the, met with the leaders and decided to bribe the soldiers with a lot of money. And they said to the soldiers, tell everyone that Jesus' disciples came during the night and stole his body while you were asleep. If the governor hears about this, we'll talk to him. You don't have anything to worry about. And the soldiers took the money and did what they were said. I can, I can pretty much guarantee those soldiers were killed. I can, I can almost guarantee that 100%. They don't tell us that, but... I wasn't born yesterday. So anyway, um, so after the angel talks to her, uh, she turns around and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. And like I said, part of that is because he is changed. He's the resurrected Lord now. He's about to ascend to heaven. 
So he's, he's changed. However, another part of it is grief. So it's, um, if she believed Jesus was dead, which she did because he was, um, then turning around and seeing him standing there, your brain's going to be like, nope. <laughs> and just like, not let that happen. Like, it's not going to process it. It's going to say, there is no way that's Jesus Christ because he's dead. And, you know, someone took the body. There's no way he could be standing there looking that healthy because, once again, you know, um, it's his resurrected body. Um, so she um, didn't recognize him. And so he asks her, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And she thinks he's a gardener. And so that's when she tells him, if you took him, just tell me where. And that's when he says her name. So in her grief, Mary couldn't even fathom the fact that Jesus could actually be alive. She was so deep in her grieving. And I don't know if any of you have lost somebody that has gotten you to a place where you're so deep in your grieving that you can't be consoled. And that's pretty much where she was. Um, but when Jesus says her name, there's such power in that. There's such power in the name of it, like it, it being spoken. Like in Song of Solomon, it says that your name is like ointment poured out. Like Jesus's name is like fragrant perfume. Um, there's a song, um, it's called Your Love is Sweeter Than Wine. And it's not a well-known song because this is a, a songwriter. And I stumbled on it one day in on YouTube, just randomly. But that's what she says. Like, your love is sweeter than wine. Your name is a fragrant perfume. So when we think of the value placed on a name, like in other nations and other countries and, and some families in America, names have value. Like, um... Some people just name a name, a kid a name because they like the name or whatever. Some will name their children names because they have value and purpose. And so they'll seek out a name that actually means something. And uh, if you look at like the story of Hosea, um, every child God tells Hosea specifically, this is what you're going to call this child because it means this. And this is what Israel is doing. This is what you're going to name this child because it means this. And so names have value, especially in the Jewish culture. <clears throat> and when uh, Jesus says Mary's name, she's able to be pulled out of that grief. And it has to be in the way he said it. Like, there's a way that God says your name that no one else comes close to. And, and that, that's what happened with Jesus and Mary in the garden by the, by the tomb. He just, then Jesus said to her, Mary, like almost like this one has it with an exclamation point. So it's almost like Mary, but we know it's not. We know it's just, he said, he said her name in such a way that her heart burned within her. I mentioned this in the intro podcast, which is very long. Um, but it's like the, the men on the road to Armaeus and how they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? And it's the same thing when um, Peter and the, and the disciples return to the familiar and start fishing again and, not, and they're not able to catch anything and Jesus standing on the shore says, 
Hey, uh, throw your net on the other side. Now, now fishermen are very, very uh, superstitious. So the fact that they obey the Lord is telling. And they cast their net on the other side and pull up a huge haul of fish. Like, words failed to capture how many fish they caught. And um, John looks at Peter and says, it's the Lord. And Peter's like, what? And jumps in the water and swims to shore and has an intimate time with Christ by the fire. Where there were already fish cooking, by the way, because Jesus doesn't need us to catch fish for him. Um, I mean, like literal fish, not being fishers of men, obviously. Um, so it seems like that, like the intimacy of Christ in other relig religions, you don't have that intimacy. The, the deity in those religions, the false gods in those religions are angry and spiteful and, you know, ready to smush you or require you to do these harmful things to yourselves to get their attention like Baal like they had to whip themselves and abuse themselves and um and then you have like uh just the ones that just don't care like don't even bother talking to me don't even bother um looking for me because I really don't care but Jesus isn't like that like Jesus is a faithful savior he he connects to us and with us on a personal level and he desires a relationship with us and he wants us to recognize when he says our name and he wants us to respond when he says um, our name and so we need to be um, aware of that and take some time to seek out Christ because he's He's just amazing. I legitimately cannot in words express how wonderful it is to know Christ. And Mary understood that. And so did the disciples. I mean, if you look at the people that after his death and resurrection that kept going, there's like no way if he was not amazing, it wouldn't be worth it. And if he had died and never rose again, they wouldn't have done that. These men who fled the mere thought of, of, being caught when Jesus was going to go to the cross of being associated with him. These men fled in terror and rightly so. I'm, I'm just, I'm not saying anything about coward, cowardliness there because they're going to face death and persecution. But when Jesus rose again, all of them, with the exception of John, all of them were martyred. And so many are martyred today and over the years persecuted and killed for Christ and if he wasn't real this this would have, this movement would have died out a long time ago because if you just look at where they were pre-crucifix crucifixion and where the disciples ended up post-resurrection you know that there is truth to this gospel so that is my look at Mary Magdalene and a brief look at Mary of Bethany um, and then the random woman that we don't even know her name. Um, but I hope that this has spoken to you. This is part two of the series. Um, I will be doing Ruth next. And after that, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, hopefully I will do that. Um, so it should just be a four-part series, I'm thinking. Unless I'm inspired to do something else, because you never know. Um, but let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your graciousness. I thank you that that we have the ability to use tools like the internet 
to search for the truth. Um, as we read your word and maybe we don't understand something very clearly or we've been taught incorrectly, we're able to actually do research through reliable sources and receive answers and see things from a different perspective. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, that we are able to know you and know these humans that, that followed you so closely and see the love story written throughout from Old Testament to New and that we can have the faith to stand for you because we're born in a time when we have technology and we have access to Bibles. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your inspiration and your love. And I just pray right now that you just move on the hearts of everyone listening and that you would just bring them peace. And if they don't know you, that my podcast would be useful in them wondering and seeking and responding to your pursuit. And I ask all of this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. it's Julie with Hef Sabah Talks A Lot. I'm just going to take one second, okay, maybe a little longer, to talk to you about writing.com. Now, I'm not doing this for any money or anything. I'm just letting you know about a great supportive community that I think it would be great for you to join. Writing.com has been around for a long time. They actually started out as stories.com, and I stumbled on them when I was a lot younger and joined and eventually they got too big for that domain and became writing.com in order to encompass more than just storytelling. This website is amazing. It is a community of writers and readers. So if you're not a writer but you love to read, join writing.com. If you don't really read a lot because you're so busy but you love to write, join writing.com. If you're a little bit of both, joinwriting.com. It's an amazing community. Now you can get a free account and then they have paid memberships. I currently just do the second tier, the upgraded membership, and it allows me to have more items in my portfolio. I love to pay to have a membership because I love to support writing.com. That's the main reason that I pay to keep my membership updated and current. But I just wanted to have an advertisement about writing.com. Once again, not for any monetary gain. It's not even an official one. Uh, they won't even know I'm doing it. But I just want to encourage people to go and join writing.com. It is truly a place that has helped me develop as a writer. It has helped me be encouraged. And I have met people there that have been my friends through the distance online and have supported me and offered me advice with my writing and has been, have been there with me or for me as I've made these transitions to China and other locations. So once again, writing.com, W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. Join today.